and welcome to another veterinary team training podcast. I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training, Amy Newfield. And you can check out all my other amazing blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. Today I'm starting a series and PG-13 kids, so I'm going to say a bad word. So if kids are in the room, it is PG-13. Cover ears or maybe pause it right now. Okay, now that the kids' ears are covered, the series is called Shit You Shouldn't Have to Put Up With. And in this series, it could be so easy to just complain about everything, but that's not my style. Yes, I definitely think we need to complain because in this episode, we're going to be talking about bad bosses. But I also want to identify what a bad boss is and then tools and tips and tricks for you to manage through a bad boss. Because every single time I hear someone's managing to deal with a bad boss, I hear everyone else say, well, just quit your job. Sometimes it's not so easy. So let's dive into shit you shouldn't have to put up with, the bad boss edition. Before we get started, here's the reality. Sometimes we as an employee have to do a little bit of a check into ourselves. Is this individual really a bad boss? Or are we struggling with one or two characteristics of this individual? Is everyone seeing that this person's struggling in the same way that we're seeing this person struggle? Because sometimes how I view someone's performance is drastically different than how someone else views someone's performance. So there have been times where Maybe I look at someone and think they're not doing a great job. But then when I talk to others, whether or not they have any concerns, they say, no, actually he or she is doing as good of a job as they can, or I do see improvement. I see why you would say that, but I actually don't think it's as bad as you think. So before we go blanketing everybody as a bad boss, sometimes doing an internal reflection to realize maybe I'm just annoyed in a different way than everyone else is annoyed is a fair thing to definitely do a check of. But legitimately, there are some bad bosses. And so I think one of the biggest bad boss trait is the micromanager. This person drives us freaking crazy. And unfortunately for some of those who are listening on this podcast right now, if you're in a supervisor role, you might be a micromanager. How do you know if you're a micromanager? Well, you're probably walking around saying things like, I have to do everything myself. There's no way that anyone else can do it. No one else understands how to get this job done. Only I do. Or my favorite, I feel like I'm babysitting kids. That's a horrible thing for any leader to say. You're actually managing adults. And unfortunately, adults do act sometimes like kids. But equating them to kids, you're probably saying that because you're micromanaging them. You're picking on every little detail. And parents are... And for good reason, great micromanagers. Don't touch this. Don't do that. Put that away. What have you done? Why is the underwear on the floor? Oh my goodness. Every little detail has to be micromanaged because essentially you're training this child for life. And there's a lot of things that kids have to learn. So if you feel like you are babysitting kids, you might be micromanaging actually instead. You're not allowing them the freedom or the autonomy to do their job to the best of their ability. And here's why you're doing that. You have trust issues. Yes, for everyone who is a micromanager, you don't trust. You don't trust your team to be able to perform their job. So you have decided that you need to put in all of these rules and regulations, these teeny tiny ways to ensure that it's done your way, the best way, because they can't possibly function without these teeny tiny rules. You require employees to check in with you on every single tiny step. You need every single detail run by 
value, and then you manage every detail. And unfortunately, what this does is this breaks the trust on both ends. The employees know that you don't trust them and you as a manager don't trust them in return. And so it's a broken system. We have to bring the trust back by stop micromanaging. So having worked with plenty of micromanagers in my career, I can safely say that this is definitely a toxic and bad boss trait. Another bad boss trait that we deal with is the one who has checked out. They're not present at all and they really don't give two rats keisters about what's going on in the hospital. I have a lot of compassion and empathy for these individuals because largely there's two reasons why this happens. One, they feel entitled as if they don't actually need to be present in the hospital or do their job because after all, they are the owner, the practice manager, and the boss. Or two, and more likely, they're burned out. And we get it. As veterinary professionals, look, dude, we are all burned out right now. There's caseload counts like I've never seen before, cranky clients. We're still dealing with, you know, the pandemic right now here in 2021. There's a lot of stress going on. There was a lot of stress pre-pandemic, but now there's a ton of stress in the middle of this pandemic. And we're not post-pandemic. We're not. Um, So we're still dealing with all of this. So we understand burnout. And for a lot of the employees on the floor, it's hard for us to recognize that leaders can be burned out too. If you're dealing with a leader in a hospital who belongs to a corporation, they're not just dealing with the stress that's inside the hospital, they're also dealing with the stress outside the hospital. So they may be handed rules, directives, new policies, changes and benefits that they have to deliver to their team that was handed to them by the owner or the company that operates the hospital. And this can be really stressful for any type of manager, especially now, again, in the middle of a pandemic when caseload counts are sky high. So we within the hospital do need to give some compassion and empathy to those that are leading us. And a lot of times we don't see it because what we see is the stress in the hospital, the stress of dealing with those patients, the stress of having to manage a lot of surgeries. That is super stressful, but leaders a lot of leaders, particularly those that are belonging to the front desk, technician roles, nursing leaders, or certainly medical directors, they're working alongside of us. So yes, I'm not saying, I'm not giving excuse to their burnout and why they're negative and they're causing a lot of undue stress to the team, but recognize that they're not only working alongside of us at the hospital, but they're also worrying about managing and coaching the entire team. That can be super stressful. But unfortunately, when we have burned out leaders, this leads to usually, almost always, an entire burned out team. You see that leader is the one who kind of gives the direction on how the hospital should go. So if your leader is saying, this is stressful and I hate my job and I can't handle this and they've checked out, well, usually the rest of the team has as well. So that is definitely one of those bad boss traits that unfortunately I see more now than I've ever seen before. We certainly have those bad bosses that are just entitled. By title alone, they feel like they can just do whatever. And they like to announce that they are an authoritarian I am a manager, I'm a boss, I'm a supervisor because I said so. These people don't really care about other people's opinions. They don't want to listen to it because I'm the boss. I'm the boss and that's why and this is the way it goes. 
These particular bosses are super difficult to deal with because they don't care. They're going to push agendas and, and their own values and their own culture or whatever their beliefs are into the hospital. And they don't want to hear anyone else's opinions because they're the boss. So they tend to make all the directions. They make all the policies with that little to no input on the actual people who are working it. And they roll it out and the employees just have to deal with it. And that's certainly not appropriate either. And so when we're dealing with this boss, this process is very toxic because we feel undervalued, underappreciated, and not listened to. One of the other bosses that I, I always struggle with, and I've had plenty of these bad bosses in my career, is the one that is unfair. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I, these people are super toxic. They're just, they play favoritisms and perhaps they play favoritisms based on salary or schedule or little tiny perks that they give someone or even their behavior. They may treat other people better than certain other individuals on the team or they gossip to certain groups of individuals. Oh my gosh, those bosses are the worst. They not only are the gossipers, but they pull in their circle of friends that they're supposed to be managing and leading and they tell them extra little things or they gossip about other people that they are supposed to be on the team with. Such a struggle. These people, these people who play favoritisms, they're terrible bosses because you can't trust them. And if you listen to my podcasts or read my blogs, you know there's only one trait. There's only one trait that every boss needs to get right. And that's the trust trait. But the trust trait doesn't isn't just one thing. It actually is a culmination of many different things. It contains honesty, respect, being fair, listening to your employees, follow through, kindness, compassion, empathy, All of those things are rolled into trust. No one ever says, you know what? I don't respect my boss, but I really do trust him or her. That's not a thing that anyone says. You either have all those other traits which dials into that one trust trait or you don't. And so playing fair, oh, this is probably one of the biggest ones that can ruin or make trust in a leader. So as a leader, you need to make sure you have equal and fair policies across the board. Are you paying people fairly or are you just paying $2 more here an hour because you like that person better and well, they brought you cookies? Come on, people. You got to be fair. You got to make sure that you do disciplinary action across the board fairly to everyone. You pay everybody fairly. All benefits are fair. How you treat everybody is fair and equal for every member of your team. Otherwise, you're a bad boss, and that's just the reality. What about the bad boss that just isn't there? Sometimes that's a good thing because some people are like, my boss is never there, it's great. Usually people say that when the boss is so toxic, it's actually a sense of relief when they're not in the building. But that is actually a toxic boss because I've worked with bosses that they're just never there. You can't get a schedule for them. You don't know when they're showing up. You can't get an appointment to meet with them. They're just never in the building. When they are in the building, the few and far times between, they do show a lot of compassion and care and that they actually do put forth an effort but the effort is minimal. It's dismal at best. They seem happy. They don't seem burnt out. They're just never there. What about those bosses? Yeah, they're absolutely bad bosses because if you're struggling as an employee to try to connect with your boss or bring something to their attention and you just simply can't get a hold of them, it's a bad boss. 
And then on the flip side, what about those bosses who are there? They actually are very charismatic. They seem like they're doing a great job and they're awesome listeners, but they never follow through. These bosses are actually really slippery because I've had a couple of these bosses in my lifetime where they listen, they seem like they're your best friend. They are ever present. They don't seem like they're burned out. They don't gossip. They are not full of negativity. They're great listeners, but they never freaking follow through. And it's hard because at first you don't recognize this person as a bad boss. You're like, my gosh, they really do care about me. But after a year or two years, you realize that everything you say, they go, oh my gosh, seriously, that is a problem. Wow, you're not kidding. Oh yes, we should definitely do something about that. And that's where it falls flat. And then the frustration builds up. And unfortunately, when these individuals are leaders in a larger organization, they often get bumped up the food chain. So they get bumped up from, say, maybe a technician manager or a medical director into a practice manager role. And then they move up from the practice manager into a hospital administrator role. And then because they go and they listen very well and they go, oh, yes, that's amazing. I absolutely agree with that leadership above that sees that and goes, wow, that person's really great at what they do. Let's bring them into a regional role. So now that person somehow has managed to sneak their way into a regional role. And what leadership doesn't realize is all they say is, yeah, that's amazing. We should do something about that. But there is no brainstorming. There's no actual follow through. There's no implementation of anything. They just have constantly agreed with everyone in their life. And everyone thinks they're so charismatic and friendly. They just keep getting moved up into another leadership role. I've actually worked with a couple of these bosses. Kudos for them to having great charisma that bumps them up the food chain. But reality is you're still a bad boss. You haven't actually accomplished much in the way of problem solving or career development of your team. You just keep agreeing with people, which is an amazing trait to have. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to be the person to just agree with people, which sometimes gets me in trouble. But it also is an effective leadership. And for the individuals on the floor, some of you are nodding your head and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I like really love my boss. They're super friendly, but you're right. Nothing's getting done around here. And that's driving me crazy. It's still a bad boss trait. And then the last of the bad bosses, or certainly not the last, I mean, my goodness, there's plenty of bad boss traits out there. It's the person who's negative. And it's this isn't someone who's burned out, because certainly burned out individuals are negative, but this particular individual is just negative about everything. And they gossip and they're negative. Everything stinks. And if they belong to a bigger organization, corporate sucks, headquarters sucks, senior leadership sucks, regionals suck. Um, and if they're not part of that, well, then the owner sucks. Everything sucks. And the problem with this particular leader is they're breeding negativity into that workplace environment. Unfortunately, when leaders are largely toxic themselves, usually the workplace environment is largely toxic. And so employees aren't enjoying coming to work because, well, this the clientele is difficult to deal with. Oh my God, we're so busy and so short-staffed. And these leaders, all they do is complain, but they don't solve the problems and they don't help to manage the stress of the hospitals. Instead, they add to the stress level. So this is also a bad boss. And you can have a accumulation of bad boss traits in there. I mean, you can have the person who's toxic and negative and also who's burned out, who's also never there, who's also a micromanager. And let me preface this. 
by saying, I haven't always had all bad bosses. I know I've had some bad bosses in my career, but I've been very blessed and lucky to have some amazing, fantastic bosses. Right now, I'm currently working in a wonderful workplace environment where my boss seems to generally care about me as an individual and who I am as a veterinary professional. And that's an amazing feeling. I've also started off in my job, in my career, with an amazing first boss. And I am truly, genuinely appreciative of his talents as a leader. I think my veterinary career would have been largely different if I had started off in a toxic workplace environment where my leader didn't care about me. But I worked for a single owner in a small veterinary practice in a rural Massachusetts hospital. And I can tell you, he let veterinary technicians do all the skills that they could do. He cultivated their talents, he advanced their careers, he believed in us as individuals, and he gave us the freedom and the autonomy to be the best we could be. I'm so eternally grateful of that amazing boss in my career because without that individual, I I gather I probably would have been one of those people who entered the field and very quickly bailed out of the field. And for those of you who are listening to this, yes, I know a lot of you are in that position. You might be in your first or second job just dealing with these toxic bosses and you're like, is this the normal thing in veterinary medicine? It's not. There are plenty, plenty of great hospitals great hospital groups, even companies, even corporations, I'm going to say the dirty word, even corporations where bad boss isn't a norm. It's not a thing. And they cultivate teams of happy people, happy unicorns, and they are great leaders. So please don't accept being uh, dealing with a bad boss. So now let's get into the second part of this uh, podcast, because I said we're going to define what a bad boss is, but now we're going to give you some tips and tricks of dealing with a bad boss. Again, Absolutely, the thing is you can just quit. But it's not as easy as one thinks because everyone says, well, just quit, you know. The reality is you don't have the energy to look for a new job, though there are plenty out there. If you wanna go get a new job today, you can do that. Or you really like your your teammates. A lot of us stay on these jobs that have these terrible bad bosses because you love the team that you work in. Or you need the salary. They're paying you well. Is that a thing? Can you be paid well? Yes, there are hospitals that pay significantly better than others. Or perhaps it's the health insurance. Maybe you are dealing with something in your family. You can't switch health insurances. Or you're worried about losing a potential benefit. Maybe you're just too invested. You've been with your job for the last 10 years. You just got a new manager on. They are a terrible boss but you're invested in this particular hospital or this particular company. Maybe you have imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's some of you. You're fearful that you can't go get another job because you're worried that your skills and your talents aren't going to match up to another hospital's skills or talents. They will. Or you are just complacent in the toxicity at which you have become used to. You are used to the bad. And that's certainly a difficult thing. So sometimes it's excuses, but sometimes it's legitimate concerns as to why you don't want to leave a bad boss. And so first of all, you want to always start off with coming from a place of being polite and kind, but also honest and providing feedback if possible to your manager, to your leader that's struggling. 
come from a place of kindness of how it's affecting the whole team or that you're concerned about their well-being or you're concerned about your career development. In the case of a micromanager, have that conversation about them not trusting you because that really is what it comes down to. Say, you know, I I see that you have X, Y, and Z rules, but I also feel like they're in place because potentially you don't trust me or trust us as a team. What can we do to gain your trust? Because I feel like there's a lot of small rules that we're struggling with and we'd like a little bit more freedom. So can we talk through that? Or you can say, I'm really concerned about you as a person because you seem to be really struggling in your job as a manager or as a leader. And I'm concerned because I'm worried that you might be burned out. Are you burned out? You didn't used to be this negative. You didn't used to be so checked out. What's going on? I really care about you. So coming from that genuine place of kindness that you care about this individual and you're struggling with them because of a certain issue that they have is going to get a lot better buy-in and have that person open their ears to actually listening as opposed to, unfortunately, the technique I see a lot of other individuals doing, which is they go up and they say, listen, you're never even in the building. How are we supposed to talk to you if you don't even show up? Or you know what? You gossip a lot and the team really doesn't like you because I've seen those techniques done. And well, then your manager or leader's just going to shut down just like anybody else. So certainly I always advocate talking to that individual directly. And if you've come from a place of kindness and politeness and honesty, and that person's not receiving the feedback that you or the team is giving, and you do work in a hospital setting that is owned by a company or a corporation, the good news is the buck doesn't stop there. For a lot of privately owned hospitals, the problem is you can talk to the the practice manager about their performance. You can talk to the owner about your concerns about how they seem like they're burned out. But that's where it stops. You don't get anybody else to talk to and that can be a real struggle for a lot of individuals. And so if you are in a company and you are in a, a hospital corporation that owns multiple hospitals, there are people usually above them. And so if you're struggling with your hospital administrator, there's usually an area leader, a regional person, a district, somebody, something, you know, that you can go and have that conversation with and say, look, I've talked to my practice manager, still come from a place of kindness, not just complaining because that never gets received well. Say, I brought my concerns up because I think he or she is burned out. I brought my concerns up because we need them to be in the building and they aren't. Or I brought my concerns up because they seem really negative and they're actually bringing the whole team down. If you don't get anywhere with that regional person, and make sure you always ask, when am I going to hear from you? When are we going to get follow-up on this? Because they're often busy and they hear you, but then no follow-up occurs. So get a timeline on that. That's my other trick of the trade. If you are going to someone in a regional position and you say, look, here's my concerns or our concerns with our practice manager, and this is what we're dealing with, and you get no reply, make sure first you figure out when you're going to get that reply. When am I going to hear from you? Because this is a valid concern that I have. I just want to know when am I going to get follow-up on this? Because I don't want it to be a month or two from now where nothing has gotten done. What does that look like? So make sure you do uh, go ahead and, and figure out what that timeline looks like. 
And here's the thing. If you don't hear from them back or you're, it's not to your liking, you can go above that person. There's executive teams, senior leadership team, presidents, vice presidents, CEOs, COOs, heads of HR that you usually can have a conversation with so that things can get done, right? So you don't have to deal with that shit that you shouldn't have to put up with. There's usually people above the people that are going to help influence the individual manager which in your hospital if you're working for a larger group. And if you have done all that and you've tried the direct approach and it hasn't worked, certainly I want you to be the best version that you can be. Just because this boss is bad doesn't mean you get to make your performance be bad as well. It's so easy to do that. That person's negative, that person is cranky, that person's a terrible boss. It doesn't give you permission to then be a terrible employee. So make sure you still come in on time, you smile to the clients, and you're the best teammate that you can possibly be. And here's the other thing. A lot of uh, teams that I've worked with, they're bubble teams. Their leadership is horrendous. Their leadership is, I mean, I've had bosses that have verbally assaulted me, screaming at me, yelling at me, cursing at me. Those bosses, they're terrible bosses. Don't get me wrong. They're really bad bosses. But just because they're acting in the way that they act doesn't give you permission to do so. Instead, be a bubble team. I once worked in a hospital where the owner was going through a lot of life drama and she brought that life drama into the hospital all the time. She would be smiling and laughing and then crying and screaming, yelling at the team, crying that she had yelled at the team. There were a lot of emotions. And to manage through this, we became a stronger team. We put ourselves, locked ourselves into a bubble and we found support within each other because that's what we needed to do. We engaged with our own support network, our family, our work family. And we had this such a strong work family, we locked ourselves in a bubble. So no matter what mood this owner was in, we managed to be pretty awesome at our jobs. We still laughed, we still supported each other, we still had an amazing manager or leader within this bubble, and even if you're not lucky enough to have sort of that frontline manager with you in this bubble, remember, you can still be a bubble outside of that manager. Make sure that you support each other and that you're the best version that you can be. And make sure you also have a support system outside. I mean, it's so easy to gossip to the individuals on the floor at the time that these terrible bad bosses are breathing down our necks or having these crazy moments in a hospital. It is very easy to gossip. And yes, to some level, when crazy stuff happens in our hospitals with really bad bosses, we do need that support system. But we also need a support system outside of work. Surround yourself with friends and people who support and encourage you that you can tell these stories to about how you're struggling and maybe they can offer feedback, but make sure you don't ostracize your friends. Your friends can only take so many of your bad boss stories. And honestly, some of our bad boss stories are quite humorous. Our friends actually do want to hear them. But other times we inundate them. So be cautious of that. And if you're really struggling, then find that support system in a trained professional or a therapist that can help you manage your stress. Make sure you take care of yourself. When you're dealing with a bad boss, you need to make sure that you're at your A game. Plenty of sleep, you eat well, uh, give yourself the breaks that you need in order to function throughout the day. And I recognize that sometimes our boss is providing a workplace environment that's obviously less conducive to us being happy. 
But we have to look internally and recognize that ultimately how we respond to a bad boss, their toxicity, their negativity, their micromanaging, whatever it is, is solely up to us. And so I want you to identify the triggers. You all have them. I have them too. Your boss around the corner starts to say something. Your anxiety, you feel it, there's a twing. Or all of a sudden you're, you stop and you catch yourself and your short breath, you feel the anger, you feel the stress. Whatever it is, there is a trigger that occurs. In order for you to manage through this stress a little bit better, you have to figure out what the trigger is. And my triggers are vastly different than someone else's triggers. I can safely say that when I have a micromanager and someone starts to really nitpick apart tiny little details to the point of, I need you to check in here, I need you to check in there, where are you doing this? And it's a constant micromanaging that I don't even feel like I can breathe that's a trigger for me. I feel the anxiety. I feel the anger. I feel me saying things like, are you serious? You don't need, you need me to check in with X, Y, and Z. Are you serious? I can't even do my job properly because I have to do so many check-ins with you. When I feel my blood boiling about that, I have to take a couple deep breaths and manage through that. But for many other people, a micromanager doesn't bother them. It doesn't. They're just like, whatever. And they go, oh, you want me to check in? Sure, I can check in. So what bothers me is probably very different than what bothers you in terms of bad bosses. You know, another triggering for me are perhaps certain things that a boss may say or things that a boss may do. So catch yourself. What are your triggers? And then from there, figure out how you respond to those. And that's really important. How do you manage through those moments? And that's obviously a whole different podcast. Uh, I've approached some topics on how to reduce stress in the workplace environment. So definitely figure out what works for you. Set boundaries with your bad bosses. This is really important. For some of our bad bosses, they don't realize that they are overworking us. And this is playing into, unfortunately, our work-life balance. And if you feel like you're a slave to your job and you get no relaxation at home because your boss is texting you, telling you you have to come in, or that you need to be on call without pay, which by the way is completely illegal and I know veterinary hospitals are still doing it. So please, 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 don't don't be on call without pay. That's completely illegal. Total side note there. But if you are dealing with that bad boss that you feel like you're overworked, set those boundaries. Here's the thing. You, you need to say no. Your boss may not realize that they're pushing you to the brink of snapping or the brink of being unhappy. It is only up to you to advocate for yourself. No one else is going to advocate for you. Trust me on this. You need to tell your boss what you need. You need to set those boundaries. So if you, you know, have to go home at a certain day, every single day, like Monday, you need to be home because that's when your kid has a practice or a school play or something like this and you need to leave at five o'clock every Monday for the next week or year that's a boundary you need to set and if it's not breakable then you need to explain that to your boss so a lot of times bosses yeah they're bad but you didn't set your boundaries so make sure you set boundaries with your bad bosses and that's really important and then certainly if you work in an organization that has other opportunities 
pursue those other opportunities. You know, uh, again, people say corporate as if it's the, the demon spawn of veterinary medicine, but there are a lot of really good things about working in big companies. As, as you know, I talked about how I started off in a single one doctor practice. Eventually I did go to work for the largest company in the world, Mars. Um, at the time I was working for Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners. And there's a lot of positive things for working in, in companies, a lot of bad things too, but I will tell you this, there's a lot of bad things for working in private practice as well. So one of the good things about working in big companies is that there's a lot of opportunities. And if you're struggling with your current boss, um, can you get another boss within the same company? Is that a thing? So start pursuing that, especially if you work in specialty hospitals. Maybe you are currently in uh, the anesthesia department or surgery department and you are completely unhappy with the leadership there. Can you move into internal medicine? or emergency. You might love the hospital and the people in it, but perhaps it's that one bad boss that you no longer can manage or deal with. And so there's always going to be bad bosses in small practices and big practices, no matter where you are, you're going to at some point in your career, if you have not encountered them yet, you will deal with a bad boss and it's shit we shouldn't have to put up with. And so I want you to kind of take this podcast, realize sort of what bad traits your boss has. I probably didn't obviously list all of them, but also I hope that this podcast to help you figure out ways that you can manage that bad boss. The ideas in your head that maybe you can change your current situation, manage your stress battle, tune out your current bad boss. Do you have the ability to do that? If so, I encourage you to do that because for a lot of us, we love our wonderful, weird work family. We wanna to continue to work with them. It's just that our boss is driving a freaking crazy. So thank you so much for listening to this inaugural edition of Shit You Shouldn't Put Up With, the Bad Boss Edition. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com and keep on being a unicorn.